Episode 10, the Peak Performance Mentor Podcast, the podcast for the everyday coach, where each week we interview coaches, sports industry experts, and leadership gurus to mentor you beyond the X's and O's on your quest to achieve peak performance in your personal life, professional career, and with the teams that you coach. I mean, we, we often talk in coaching worlds about, you know, we need to get rid of these coaching egos. And um, I think that a lot of times our ego is what gets in the way of that. I mean, that's a component of emotional intelligence and self-awareness. And, you know, so to be really aware of what you're feeling, what you're thinking, um, be a, and, and not blame somebody else or, or come up with any excuses, just be super aware of it and, and reflect upon it, um, have some self-management, which is another component of emotional intelligence, and, and improve. Christian DeVries here, and I'm excited today to have our guest, Sky Eddie Bruce. And Sky is one of these players that entered the soccer world before Title IX and actually had some great benefits from the whole Title IX movement that happened within soccer. She grew up in Virginia. She, from Virginia, she ended up playing at the University of Massachusetts for four years and had an extra year of eligibility and finished at George Mason where they actually finished second in the country to North Carolina. And during that game, she was named to the defensive MVP of the Final Four and a first-team All-American. After she finished college, she spent some time working with number one goalkeepers camps and soccer plus goalkeepers. But what we really want to talk with Sky today is where she's at now and where she's been doing. And I, she really brings a unique perspective to sports that I think one that's needed and that she is overseeing an organization called Soccer Parenting Association, elevating the game and engaging parents in sports and to help our kids leave the legacy they want through sports. And Sky, we're excited to have you on our podcast with us. Did I miss anything? Is there anything you can add to the bio that we shared? Oh, thanks so much for having me. One, um, I'm excited to be your guest here today and excited for the work that you all are doing. Um, no, I think you hit my bio pretty well. Um, I'm still an active coach. I'll mention that. Um, I'm a coach educator for um, United Soccer Coaches and obviously doing a lot of work with parent education and coach education and collaborating those. But, um, you know, the stuff that I'm having the most fun with these days is still being an active coach. Um, I have a U10 girls team that I'm, that I'm busy with, and both of my kids play sports. So, you know, it's still a huge part of our life, aside from all the work that I'm doing with the Soccer Parenting Association, like you mentioned. Well, I, I can actually uh, associate with you on that. I, you know, I, after I've walked away from the college game, I'm still coaching. In fact, I just, we're, I have my, uh, I'm coaching a high school team now, which is kind of fun coaching a high school team. So yeah. let's, uh, let's, let's hop into our first half. And in our first half, we really like to talk about our mentors, the, the people that have really helped us expand our visions, the ones that have stretched us to get to where we are now, the ones that have helped you uncover the blind spots. Uh, I'd love for you to share with us one or two of your mentors and how have you grown through that mentorship with them? Definitely. I mean, I believe just mentoring is such an essential part of our growth as individuals and as coaches. And probably my two largest mentors um, you sort of alluded to in my intro is I'm a goalkeeper um, and had the opportunity to work for many goalkeeper camps. Um, 
I started out, and probably my first mentor, I'd say, is Dr. Macknick. Um, Dr. Macknick is the owner of the number one camps, and, um, you know, I really learned a lot about technical training from him. Um, I learned a lot about the value of um, explaining things in certain ways, of progressions. I really, really honed sort of my focus on the X's and O's of, of goalkeeper coaching specifically and just coaching in general through my interactions with Dr. Magnick. And, you know, for me, you said, you know, I kind of grew up in that Title IX era. I was born in 1971. There weren't a lot of other female goalkeeper coaches that were, um, you know, traveling the coaching ranks at that point. And with Dr. Magnick's camp, I was oftentimes the only female. And, um, you know, Doc gave me a ton of experiences. I was his first female director. I asked him a couple years ago when I last saw him at the convention, you know, and he said, you were the first female director because you were qualified and you were deserving of it. And um, I appreciated the opportunities that he gave me to um, kind of hone those, like I said, sort of more the, the technical um, training and the value of that. My, um, my second mentor um, is someone that is truly, you know, I consider to have been one of my great friends and a great colleague, and that's Tony DiCicco. And, you know, sadly, Tony died earlier this year after a battle with cancer. Um, and, you know, Tony just opened my mind and my thought process to what we're really doing as coaches and the value of connection, the value of really communicating and connecting with the athletes and the other coaches that you're working with in a way that really changes lives. And um, he and his impact on my life and in everything that I'm doing with the Soccer Parenting Association um, is, is extremely, extremely significant. Well, Sky, as I, as I listen to you, uh, I, and I, I mentioned that I'm coaching a high school team now, and one of the first things I talked about when we got to the very first tryout is I sat there and says, what do you think that the first thing, the most important thing to playing this game is? What am I going to work on? What do I want you guys to get out of being a part of this program? And, and, of course, they rattle off a whole bunch of different things. And I came back to what you just said, connection. Connection is the single most mm -hmm. important thing that we can teach these, these, young, these young adults as, as we're coaching them. And as, as Tony shared that with you, is there, is there, is there one little you know, trick, one little, let's go back to even what you, you looked for Magnick, one, one little technique he might have taught you that you can share with our audience, our listeners, about how to, how to teach connection, how to teach communication with our kids and really, really open up the doors for them. Sure. So, you know, Tony um, probably had two key things that resonate with me in terms of lessons that, you know, I still think about and that resonate with me. One is just joy, like just loving what you're doing and get, getting out there and finding and having real passion and enjoyment of, of interacting with people and getting to know people and, and your life growing just from your experiences with the kids that you're coaching. Um, but the, the, you know, Tony's sort of catchphrase, what his book was um, titled or is titled is Catch Them Being Good. And for me, that is one of the top, top, top lessons that um, I have walked away with from my relationship with him. And um, that's the concept. And, and I'll, 
my first couple of weeks working with Tony, I had worked for many, many years for Dr. Magnick, and I came over with a certain style. And when I brought the style to Tony's camps, I made everybody cry. <laughs> All my groups were crying and were upset. <laughs> and, you know, um, and so Tony came over to me and sort of put his arm across my shoulder and he said, hey, I've got a, you know, experiment for you. And that is, Try just saying positive things to them. Don't point out all the negative. You're doing a great job of seeing all the problems that they have, of seeing their technical deficiencies and where they're making mistakes, but don't tell them that. Instead, just tell them when they do the right thing. When they do a little glimpse of what is, is correct, point that out to them. And, you know, from that point on, um, that's been a real part of my coaching philosophy, my, my business philosophy, my living philosophy, my parenting philosophy is to really um, see and find and highlight and celebrate the positive, the right, the correct things, and, and the power that happens within the kids to, um, you know, build their motivation and confidence o- around when they're doing something right. Oh, that's, that's, that's just brilliant. That's, that's, we like to call that gold um, on, on our show here, and that, that is absolute gold that you just dropped with us there. When you, and you find the good, because I, I know from my own experiences, when we find the good in somebody – they want to do even more for you. They're willing to run through the walls for you because they want to get better. And I, I love what you just shared with us there with that. Uh, Boyd, let's, let's yeah. take it into halftime with her. Yeah, I think, uh, Sky, you, you had something you wanted to add there. Um, well, I was just going to say, you know, it's so easy as a coach to look at the negative because that's what we're seeing. You know, even with my experiences coaching last night, I found myself pointing out the mistakes or the flaws or, or something that my players were doing wrong and I have to pause and I do this all the time in life and say okay from now on every time that Charlotte gets the ball I'm only going to say a positive thing to her and I have to I have to force myself to do it sometimes because as coaches we're we're sort of programmed to see what needs to be fixed Um, but it's just a new way of looking at how we actually go about fixing things yeah true Uh, Christian are we ready for halftime yeah yep but I want to I want to jump into our halftime speed brown uh, sky just by highlighting just a piece of uh, what you covered during the during the first half, and that was Tony's book, Catch Them Being Good. Now, that, that's a, a great book title, but it's uh, one of those things that's very hard to apply all the time, as we've uh, discussed already. But in our speed round, besides that book that I know everybody should probably write down and, and, and go pick up as uh, quickly as they can, can you recommend another book that you have read that's been uh, uh, that's been a good book for you and why do you recommend that book yeah for sure so my number one go-to book these days that I'm always recommending to all coaches um, is emotional intelligence 2.0 by Travis Bradbury um, you know emotional intelligence is really what I learned from Tony that's what he was a master at um, it's a master at, he was a master at you know, being able to accurately understand and, and get a sense of what other people were feeling, um, you know, his team management, his self-management, his self-awareness um, was just amazing. Emotional intelligence is the foundation of everything that we do as a coach, and we never so rarely get education about it. When I'm educating and working with coaches across the country, and I have 50 coaches in a room, and I ask them, how how many of you have ever heard of the concept of emotional intelligence? Two or three of them raise their hand. And yet when we go through what the qualities of emotional intelligence are, it's so foundational to what we do. So I know that was supposed to be a fast answer. It's the speed route. I'm sorry. That's my plug. <laughs> <laughs> that is very okay. 
because uh, the, the speed round <laughs> is going to get uh, less speedy here in just a second as well because that made me think of a question is that when, when you are uh, catching them doing good and you're speaking positive into them, do you think that that also uh, helps them think of themselves in a more positive way than maybe they uh, typically would on a, on a regular basis? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think really what this comes down to and the foundation of Catch Them Being Good is, is a little bit about helping children develop a growth mindset. So we know from studies that, you know, if children um, believe that their hard work is reflective upon the results that they're seeing, that they will then work harder, that they'll spend more time and be more dedicated to things. So when we're pointing out the positive and saying things like, um, you know, telling the girl, even though she didn't pass the ball correctly, we're saying, hey, I love how you ran so hard to get into the ball. Good job. Um, then we're focusing on the effort that she's put into it and focusing on the positive things that they, they did do. And so I think, you know, another part of that foundation of catching them being good is, is growth mindset, which has kind of become a buzzword in coaching these days. Yeah, I think that's very good. Let's dovetail into the next question and in favorite quotes. Do you got a favorite quote? Um, sure, I do. I have a couple favorite quotes. Um, I always prefer to go to sort of John Wooden things um, frequently, but I'll share with you my favorite quote from Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are are you not to be we were born to manifest that is that which was in within us and, and as we let our own light shine we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same wow that is a quote that's worth hanging around every heart isn't it <laughs> it really is and i think this goes again into coaching you know the quote starts talking about how we're you know, potentially struggling with feeling inadequate. And I think as young coaches, you know, working and getting our confidence, um, you know, it's, it's really building through and developing confidence. The next question has to do with our personal habits and rituals. So what kind of personal habit or rituals do you follow daily that contributes to your success? Um, that's a tough question. I don't do anything daily. I think that's a really <laughs> big ask. Um, I mean, life is crazy. Um, I, I brush my teeth every day. That's about the only thing I can <laughs> yeah. promise that I'll do every day. Now, there's certain things that I that I know that when I do do, I I perform better. I know when I exercise, and my exercise of choice this last few years has been hot yoga. So I know that the the two, the three, the four, the five days a week that I can get the hot yoga, those are going to be better days. Um, so I will just maybe simply say exercise, but I also don't believe that you know. There's things that we can, based on my life with so much going on and kids and work and a couple of different things and projects I'm working on, um, you know, trying to commit to something every day is a big ask. I'm sure that that is, but uh, but it's, uh, you know, it's being consistent in, in, in some things and, and you gave us just an idea of, of, uh, yeah. of, of how you can do that. Uh, what is a current measuring stick? to achieve peak performance in this season of your life with all the great things going on, what are your current goals? Well, right now, I mean, what I'm seeking to do is to positively impact the youth game in the United States. 
Um, you know, we've had a lot of talk this last month as the U.S. men failed to qualify for the World Cup about all the problems. And I'm all about solutions right now. And I'm actively seeking to, um, to implement some real solutions in the youth game that's going to positively impact the experience for all children, regardless of their level. Um, so, you know, I'm really trying to work with coaches and clubs to help them rethink their relationships with parents and how they can actually reach out and engage with parents more. And I'm trying to empower and working to empower parents to really demand more of their environment, to demand better um, experiences related to the connection that coaches have with kids, relating to long-term athlete development, relating to making sure that all children, regardless of the level they're going to compete, um, consider themselves to be healthy athletes for life, um, not necessarily competing at the top level, but um, that those are the types of things that we're focusing on within the soccer, within the youth soccer experience. So, well, that's that's very good, and and it's and it's loaded. But I, I like the fact that uh, you're focusing on the solution uh, rather than all of the other things that uh, that uh, create the problems in the current situations. Mm-hmm. The the that is a good information for us for a halftime, and I know that it wasn't as speedy of a round, but it was uh, <laughs> uh, very beneficial for us to spend time. Uh, covering some of those questions and getting your insights during halftime. So let me turn it back over to Christian, and uh, let's get into our second half. Hey, thanks a lot. Now, I'm going to just use uh, what we just talked about, what I heard you guys talk about, to segue us into the second half. And, and Sky, you brought up, you know, what what we've been talking about for the last month, and there's been a lot of things going on this last month as we talked about what happened with the U.S. national team. And, you know, obviously – some people are going to see that as a failure. Um, in the second half, we like to talk about failures. We like to talk about adversity. We want to embrace failures and adversity. And the one thing that you mentioned, and Boyd picked up on it, is that you're not necessarily focusing on that. You're focusing on the solutions. I would like you to mm-hmm. speak into this just a little bit because that, that's really a profound approach to, to exploring this idea of adversity and failure. And that's really what embracing it is all about, is, is finding the solutions. Tell us about how that, how that came about in your own mindset and your own thought process to embrace failure in order to find solutions and, and maybe give us an example of that. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, it's hard if you ask me the question like, when have you failed? Can you tell us about this? To be honest, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I can't really think of times where I've failed. I, life happens and you move on and you learn and you have experiences and um, I just deeply believe that everything happens for a reason and you're to learn from it and grow from it. And you can't, you can't sit there and focus on the failure. It's just life. You just move on and you learn and you grow. And, and that's, that's what we're here to do. So um, I would say that the times where I felt um, embarrassed, times where I felt shamed are probably times where I failed. And those are times where I just haven't lived up to my own expectations. Those are times where I haven't um, lived up to my personal individual values. And those would be the times that I'd say I really failed. Um, you know, a couple things that come to mind that are related to coaching in terms of that, um, I would say one would be when I was getting my national goalkeeper license. It's a pretty stressful environment, it's a 10-day course I'm down there with, you know, other goalkeeper coaches from around the United States, uh, really around the world. And we're put on the spot and having to teach 
um, a, a, you know, we're given a topic like a typical coaching course and having to, to teach it. And for my, my practice, I wasn't prepared. You know, I was feeling really confident. I felt like I got this. This is too easy for me. I was kind of thinking that I hadn't learned a lot and I'll, I've got that. And I just kind of quickly scribbled out my practice. And then, and then that lack of preparation caught up for me. All of a sudden, I got extremely nervous and I'd like put out 62 cones. <laughs> I'm joking, but it's like, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't live up to my own expectations and I, you know, fell short of my values for preparation and commitment and focus and, um, professionalism. Um, and, um, and so, you know, you, you have to reflect on that. It's not something that I, I spent a lot of time reflecting on. I, I got back up and two days later I had to do my final and I did great. And I was confident and prepared. And, you know, I think we always have these little setbacks along the way. Um, just last week I was, I was really shocked at myself and I'll call that a failure when I was getting ready to prepare for a tournament with my, like I said, do 10 girls. And, um, We've won all of our games at that point. I was I was focusing too much on winning. And here I am. I talk all around the country. I write over and over again about how development is important and then winning. And all of a sudden, even myself, I got really sucked into this whole winning thing to the point where I texted some of my friends. I texted Todd Bean and John O'Sullivan, you know, leaders in soccer education around the country. I'm like, how do I do this? And not even saying, can you believe I'm thinking this? I was saying, can I manipulate my lineup? <laughs> can I <laughs> And and Todd was like, Sky, you're crazy. Stop and just think about what you're saying. Like this is about developing all the kids. They all need to play, not even fifty percent. They have to play equally. Like you're committing to these girls and your team to develop them. You can't you can't you can't not develop them just because you want you're you're afraid you might not win. So um I'd call that a failure. I mean I quickly learned from that. That's been that's been a really thoughtful experience. I'm looking forward to writing about that for soccer parenting. Because it's lessons like that and stories like that that, you know, when we're really real and we just get down to it, like, that's going to make a difference. A lot of people say that they're focusing on development, not winning. But, you know, that's not really the case. And um, and we need to we need to deep dive into that if we're going to see some real improvement in the game. So I would say that those, you know, again, I, I really, I'm not somebody that focuses on failure. I've never been like that. Um, I think that's probably one of the reasons why I was such a high-performing athlete and have such a high-performing mindset. Um, I just, it's just not. I don't look at things as failure. They're just experiences. Well, I, I, I like how you said that, but I, I'm actually, I want to point out just what I heard from you saying this because I think this is really important um, for the audience here and I, you know, even for you to hear. I agree with you. What, you. what I heard you say, and I love how you said it, is you said, you know what, I reflected on it. I didn't spend a lot of time reflecting on it. I reflected on it, I learned, and I moved on. And that's, mm -hmm. I think that's what we're really trying to talk about is that we've we got to grow from it. That's what embracing it means. And for you, it's not that you know, you're saying you never you don't dwell on the failure. I, I think you're absolutely right. Is that can we reflect and move on? And I think so many times we get caught up in reflection and we reflect some more and we reflect some more and what could I have done different and what do I do rather than saying, you know what, this is what happened. I get it. Now I'm going to move on to the next step. And yeah, that to I, me is the lesson I heard that you said. Yeah. I mean, we, we often talk in coaching worlds about, you know, we need to get rid of these coaching egos. And um, I think that a lot of times our ego is what gets in the way of that. I mean, that's a component of emotional intelligence is self-awareness. And, 
you know, so to be really aware of what you're feeling, what you're thinking, um, be a, and, and not blame somebody else or, or come up with any excuses. Just be super aware of it and, and reflect upon it. Um, have some self-management, which is another component of emotional intelligence, and, and improve. Um, you know, that's, that's just that high-performing mindset that we want our kids to have when we're coaching them or when we're parenting. I mean, that's what we need to be emulating. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a time for reflection, but there, there needs to be a little bit more time focused on action. Absolutely, and, and I, that's a great segue for us to go into the locker room because as we talk about the locker room, we talk about what our legacy is, our legacy questions, you've, you've been real intentional about one of the areas that you want to go into and in leaving your legacy and, and taking action, and that is with, with soccer parenting. So I'm going to turn it over to Boyd and let him talk into a little bit about your legacy and our legacy questions. Okay, of course, uh, when we get to the halftime, uh, that that's easy, but coming out of the second half, walking into the locker room, I like to walk slowly into the locker room because <laughs> I have an opportunity to write down what I'm hearing, and uh, sometimes I try to hear the things that, that uh, maybe uh, others might miss, and I wanted to point out just one thing, Christian, uh, so keep this, keep this in the podcast if we can. <laughs> it, it is the fact that you were getting ready to coach uh, uh, your, your soccer team, and you reached out to other coaches. You reached out to other guys and said, hey, listen, what do I need to do here? So here's what I wrote down is that experts constantly are learning from other experts. And what that says to me is that uh, when you use the line, we've got to put our egos aside, there, there is none of that here. We have no time for that. It is we are constantly learning and growing from each other. And I thought that was beautiful. Yeah, I think that's a great sentiment. I appreciate your um, highlighting that because it's it's extremely important that you know coaching is often a very lonely experience. We go and we coach our team, we come back home, we coach on the weekend, we win, we lose, whatever happens, and we don't interact enough with other people. So having having coaching um, mentors or friends or um, you know accountability people, partners, those types of things are I think essential to our continual improvement for sure. I like that idea. Right, absolutely. Uh, can you give us a, a big aha moment on your journey? Um, sure. Um, so I'll relate it to soccer parenting. I mean, probably why I started soccer parenting is an important story for people to understand. It certainly relates to our youth sports experiences that we're, kids are having and parents are having. Um, so my daughter, who's now 17, was eight or nine years old and she had just made at the soccer club where I'm on the board now, but um, she had just made the ADP program for our soccer club. So that's like the advanced development player program or something like that. It's her first time with a paid coach. Granted, I had been her coach for recreation up to then, but it's her first time with a paid coach in a more, you know, supposed to be more professional environment. Um, and so, so excited to take her there. She gets new shin guards. She can't wait to get out of the car. She's just like talking a mile a minute on the way to this training and uh, drop her off, drive away, pick her up later. She gets into the car and I'm like, how was it? And she's like, yeah, it was okay. And so, you know, I'm thinking, all right, well, it takes some time to adjust, blah, blah, blah. And so week after week, she kept coming in the car and the joy was just being taken a little bit. And so after about 
five weeks or four or five weeks, I, I watched practice, I stood there, I evaluated it a little bit, and I realized why she wasn't having any fun because it wasn't done well. The coaches weren't qualified to work with kids this age. They were standing and talking for like seven, eight, ten minutes at a time, losing track of everybody. These are eight-year-old kids. They had three soccer balls, four soccer balls in the field. Everyone should have a ball. They're standing in lines. It just it wasn't enjoyable, and it wasn't okay. It wasn't a quality environment. And hmm. so I looked around to the other parents. Um, I had a couple friends and people that I had gotten to know over the years that were there, and I kind of went to go rally them. And I was like, hey, what do you think? Like, are you guys happy with this? And um, I was saying, I think we need to go talk to the executive director and see if we can, you know, make some improvements here. And all the parents looked at me and were like, what do you mean? This is fine. And it was in that mm-hmm. moment that I would say would sort of be my aha moment is until we educate parents, until we really give them some actionable information about what the most exceptional youth soccer environments will look like and need to look like and what they need to expect, until parents are really clued into that, we're not going to seek, the, we're not going to have the improvement that we want to have. Um, and, and so to kind of say my next aha moment that's totally related to that is that so then the next day I went in to see executive director who I had known, sat down in his office and very, very, you know, non-accusatorily offering help, guidance, you know, hey, I'm a professional, former professional player, I have my B license, I'd love to help out with a club and um, I was immediately portrayed as a crazy soccer parent. I mean, I could see no the glazed look on his eyes staring at me thinking, oh, my gosh, this is ridiculous. She's upset because her daughter's not getting enough playing time or isn't playing the position she wants. And I, I was put into that category immediately. And it was in that moment that I decided I would get on that board, which I did, um, and that I would make sure that we had a new executive director, which we now do. And our club is phenomenal. We're doing amazing things. I couldn't be more proud of it. I'm now coaching in that same group where my daughter was in the ADP program, and it's it's exceptional and something I'm really proud of. Um, but I would say those two moments were probably my key sort of aha moments that are really related to soccer parenting. We've got a lot of work to do. Um, too often the environment isn't good enough. The parents who do stand up are portrayed as crazy soccer parents. They're not. They need more information. They need communication. And we, we need to do a better job as coaches and clubs around the country and, and rethinking the way that we're working with our kids. And don't get me wrong, there are hundreds and hundreds of clubs who are doing exceptional things that are phenomenal. I, I, I understand that, but, um, but we, we, we have a long way to go. And, um, and that's where I'm kind of committed to getting us there. That's good stuff. I just wrote down four words. You get things done. <laughs> <laughs> and you do. It, I, I like I like the uh, the way that I've phrased it before is that observations equal opportunities, and and when you make an observation, you are right on turning that into an opportunity to do great things and bring a solution to the table. And if if you didn't hear the passion in Sky's voice on that one, I'm kind of afraid to ask the next question: Is what are you most passionate about today? <laughs> well. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, I'm, I'm all about solutions. I understand I won't personally alone be the solution. This is a huge amount of collaboration that's going to have to happen. Um, organizations, um, companies, organizing bodies, 
leaders in soccer are all going to have to come together to really um, make some significant changes. And um, what I'm most excited about right now is what I'm actually right in the middle of. I'm right in the middle of this huge project called the Soccer Parenting Summit. It's an online virtual summit. It takes place December 8th to 10th. Um, parents, you can, yeah, I, I don't know when this will air, but the, the recordings are always accessible to people. Um, I am doing 21 interviews. Um, I have the CEO of U.S. Club Soccer. I have the CEO of U.S. Youth Soccer. I have the National Executive Director of AYSO. I have the President of the Boys ECNL and the President of the Girls ECNL. I have real leaders in, in soccer and sport like John O'Sullivan with Changing the Game Project and Todd Bean with Tovo Academy who's really rethinking coaching. I have um, you know, just some phenomenal experts, Julie Foudy, um, Yale Averbush, Jay Demerit, I mean, great people that are all part of the summit. And, um, you know, all the interviews happen independently, but, but it's starting to have a bit of a collective voice. Um, we're bringing people together and, um, and sort of the theme of this year's summit, because I've done it in the past, but the theme of this year's summit is solutions. It's really easy mm. to start to, to talk about the problem. So I'm asking everybody, what's the solution? What's something that we can take out of this conversation right now based on your experience and make a difference. And, um, you know, I'm sort of calling people, it's a, it's a call to action. Um, and I'm, I'm extremely excited about this. And, and the, the, the biggest thing that needs to happen is that parents need to rally. Parents need to step in and get involved and be mm -hmm. willing to. Um, you know, I think a lot of parents feel like, oh, I want to be, you know, uninvolved. I don't want to be that parent. And I'm not talking about going to every practice and being super involved. I'm talking about just making sure the standards are where they need to be, making sure that your child is thriving. Um, they should be. Every child should be thriving in their soccer experience. That doesn't mean it should be easy. That doesn't mean that, you know, they shouldn't have setbacks and roadblocks and things they need to overcome as children, as athletes. But the ultimate experience for your children at the end of the day should be that we should all look back on this and say, my child thrived, they grew, they developed, just like I did as an athlete. And so many you know, of us that are coaching now can look back on our experiences and feel that way. Well, that's, uh, that's very good. There's, there's uh, a, a summit on solutions. Uh, that'd mm -hmm. be one that uh, I'd like to be a part of it. I've, I've uh, put together three words here uh, to kind of dovetail into our very last question. But what I'm hearing throughout this entire uh, uh, interview uh, and podcast that we're doing together is three words, is connection, solution, collaboration. What else can we add to that for our listeners out of what you know that they need to know in order to grow? Mm -hmm. What can you tell yeah. them that will help them grow? Um, I, I think I might have mentioned this earlier, um, but so one of my interviews, this you know, because I learned from all these interviews I do too. And um, I interviewed yesterday Paul McVie. He's a former English Premier League player. He played for like Tottenham Hotspur, Burnley. Um, he's an international. Had an international career with Northern Ireland. The guy's like five foot six. <laughs> so he's always <laughs> been like the kid that was too small, or you know, he always had a lot of roadblocks in front of him. And the thing that I took away from him that sort of, I think, related to this conversation and key thing that coaches can take away from this is, is he talked a lot, Paul talked a lot about confidence. And, you know, Yale Averbush, who I interviewed today for the summit, is a professional player, a U.S., former U.S. player. She said the same thing. It's like you have to own your own confidence. 
You can't let your confidence be related to anything that you do. Um, these are athletes that are talking, but I think as coaches, you know, we can't let our confidence be related to uh, the wins or the losses or, or anything like that. We have to own our own confidence. And the way that I've always felt confident is through my preparation for things. You know, if I if I'm if I'm prepared, if um, you know I've I'm in the right mental state for something, then I'm going to feel really confident about it. Um, so I guess that's what I would would say is that, you know, confident equals, confidence equals preparation. I'm sure you have a lot of female coaches that listen to this. And, you know, I've, I've, I hear a lot from female coaches, and, and I know that there are some disadvantages and, you know, we're not provided opportunities. But I think that, that, that a lot of women, we also need to be extremely confident. We need to build our confidence and to be put ourselves out there for opportunities. It's not because we're female that we don't often get opportunities. It's because we don't have the confidence to ask for the opportunity. And so, you know, that's sort of been part of my, my philosophy of, of, as I've developed here as a coach and as a business person. That is very helpful. And I think that uh, with that information, I'm going to turn it back over to Christian for post-game. It just seems like every one of these episodes that we do just keep getting better and better and better, and we appreciate your time today. So, Christian, coming back to you, buddy. Hey, that was a great legacy talk. Uh, just Sky, you just gave so much information in there that uh, I know can help, and, and as you said, our younger coaches, and we want, we want to help impact some of the younger coaches as they come up through the ranks, and, and then you specifically mentioned the female coaches, and I agree with you there, having grown up in the, in, in the world of coaching and, and seeing that I was you know, trying to mentor some of my former players that are in coaching and now seeing them uh, thrive in the coaching world, it's exciting. Um, That's as great. we go into yep. the post game, what we like to do is we, we want we want you to be able to share a little bit more about what you're doing. Tell us a little bit about soccer parenting, where we can get information about soccer parenting, and maybe even a little bit about your summit. Sure, yeah. Um, so I have three websites. I have soccerparenting.com, which is just sort of my public blog, so to speak. It's where I do a lot of social sharing. Sharing um, a lot of the content, the articles I write, the interviews that I do um, will get pushed out there. I then also solving the problem of needing to have a parent education resource for soccer clubs. I've created the a site called MySoccerParenting.com. That's the membership site that clubs are purchasing access to for all the families in their site. Super affordable, $500 for the year for the clubs to give all the parents in their, their club access to this. And it is just jam-packed, constantly growing with um, more and more information in terms of parent education related to the game, the body, the mind, the next level. Um, so that's my soccerparenting.com. And then my summit site is Soccer Parenting Summit. Um, and all the interviews from last year's summit, from this year's summit are available. People can listen for free live um, and then can um, get access through a sideline pass to listen to all the interviews um, after the fact. So those are the, the three key places. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, um, are probably the two places where I have the most um, presence. Obviously, Christian, you and I can connected via LinkedIn. Um, I'm there as well. So I'd love to connect with people, hear about your stories, um, hear about what your thoughts are on parent engagement, experiences that people have had that um, I can and I can share and um, help everybody grow from. So what, what's, your Twitter, uh, what's your Twitter handles? Everything's just at Soccer Parenting. Um, yep, so at Soccer Parenting for Twitter, um, at Soccer Parenting for Facebook, and then LinkedIn 
and is Guy Eddie Bruce, Soccer Parenting Association. Great. I, uh, I'm getting all these down. We're going to have links to these on on the on our our, our resource page with the with the whole podcast details so everybody can go and they can click right into those resources and be able to access uh, everything that you have there. You know, Sky, I know you've been very busy. I really appreciate the time that you've been able to take to spend with us. It's been a, a very insightful talk. It's great to see where you're coming from and really taking an approach with the parents that the parents do have a say in the development of their players. And I, I, that's just refreshing to hear that, you know, even as a parent of a, of a young player myself, that I, uh, it's getting me to rethink a little bit how I'm going to go about working with my daughter because I've tried to stay away from and stay out of it because I didn't want to be that, oh, the college soccer coach is coming in and telling me what to do. But I, I really do believe that you, you opened up my own eyes to, you know, it's not telling them what to do, but I can demand more. I can demand better out of them and uh, that uh, that that was a uh, that was an eye-opening uh, podcast for me just listening to that and taking some notes on that so thank you for your time and I really appreciate uh, that you've been able to be on the show with us today hey thanks so much I appreciate it it was great to chat with you both good luck with everything yep sounds good this has been the peak performance mentor podcast where each week we interview coaches sports industry experts and leadership gurus to mentor you beyond the X's and O's on your quest to achieve peak performance in your personal life, professional career, and with the teams that you coach.